This is the last in our sermon series on Love Reigns. Uh, today we're going to talk about the future. <laughs> We've been looking at, at how the love of God can reign in every different area of our lives. We started off with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter. Uh, that's the, the proof that Jesus is the king of the world who has authority over all things. And so when we obey Jesus, right, we, we experience the life he has for us. We're doing things his way. And then we looked at how it reigns over our past and our, and our mistakes and sin and, and the stuff that we've done can be a super heavy burden, but we embrace the love of God and it forgives us. And then we're, we're able to get a fresh start. And, and and we can live into those promises in our present. We can make healthy patterns and that, that produce new life in us, right? The true life, the obedience to God. And then this week, I just want to help us move forward into to allowing the love of God to reign over our future. The future is a very curious thing for every single one of us. You remember as a kid playing with a little toy, uh, they're supposed to help us know what the future held, the magic eight ball. Remember a friend of mine had one and we used it to ask all, all sorts of questions about the future. He shake up the little ball and then the mysterious triangle with the blue liquid and, and uh, you know, does this girl like me? And like, don't count on it, you know, or are my grades going to turn out better? Like, I ah, better not tell you now. Um, what is my career going to be? What should I be doing? Ask again later, you know, those kind of things. And the toy actually came out in 1950, which says we've been... We've been pushing into this for a long time. What does the future hold? How can I get a, a handle on it? Man, you drive by psychic places and all sorts of stuff. There's, there's this curiosity for, for what's going to happen. And I think sometimes we wonder uh, because our current situation is so painful. You know, when you've had a year like we've had and, and a lot, the last week that we've had with racial tension and 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 more killings uh, everywhere with with shootings and all sorts of stuff. Man, we just like, what's the future going to be? Sometimes we wonder because we're excited about the possibilities before us, that's for sure. But either way, the curiosity about the future can get into an unhealthy obsession uh, with what's going to come. And that's just called worry, isn't it? Now, I, I want you to take a note on your phone or on a piece of paper, um, write uh, write down one worry in your life about the future right now. Pause this if you need to, but write down one uh, worry about the future right now, and uh, keep it keep it near you because I wanna I wanna come back to that at the end of the message because worry is an an all consuming use of our time, energy, and attention on things we can't control. We can't control. We worry about our finances. We worry about our family. We worry about COVID-19. Worried about our job. Worry about getting sick. We worry about everything. And the problem is that worrying does not improve our situation even the tiniest bit. Uh, in fact, <laughs> they tell you it's actually going to make you sick. You could be worry sick, can't you? The only true way to cure this sickness of worry is to trust in the love of God and let it rule in our lives. The only way to cure this, this worry is to trust in the love of God and let it rule 
in our lives. That's something that's available to followers of Jesus. In fact, he spoke about this struggle with the future in Matthew chapter 6, one of the most beautiful sections of Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount. I want to read this to you. Matthew 6, 25 through 27. He says, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink or about the body, what you'll put on. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Now, I, I happen to love birds. I'm not an expert, but uh, this spring I've been sitting out in my home office patio under, <laughs> under the gazebo listening to birds. I gotta tell you, it's really peaceful for me. I, I really love it. I have two bald eagles that they're about a hundred feet over and a hundred feet up. Robins, starlings, hummingbirds, songbirds, chickadees. I love those. Uh, let's skip talking about crows for now. But stellars, jays. I mean, they these birds are hop. You know, they hop and flutter and scratch or screech and swoop and catch. They whistle while they bounce around and work, <laughs> but they have all the food they need. Sometimes like the grass seed I just put down, I'm like, oh, nice little birds. Uh, in fact, every August, I have an unfortunate blossom of termites coming out of an area of my lawn. It's true. Uh, it's kind of um, embarrassing. They live in an extensive root system from an old tree. I ground down the stump, but, but below the surface, there's... There's bugs. And, uh, you know, I, I see them crawling out and then flying off. There's some sort of flying ant, flying termite. It's kind of embarrassing because I guess they're headed off to start a colony maybe in some other, some other neighbor's yard or house. But last year I finally caught it. What was happening? Something spectacular. The sparrows, I think they were sparrows. I'd really like them to be swallows because they were dive bombing. They're like dive bombing acrobatic planes. It was just amazing. Swooping, swoop. I guess they were more like birds than planes. <laughs> I guess that's the whole point. But they were just swooping down through this swarm of termites and picking them off out of the air. And all that was left after they swoop was just a flutter of bodiless termite wings falling gently to the ground. A, a sensational provision for some little birds that I might otherwise overlook, right? But our Creator God doesn't overlook them. I bet, I, bet, I bet He's kind of proud of their acrobatics. And even though thousands of, of years ago, it was when this passage of Scripture was written, uh, it's so applicable to us today. We have even more worries than back then, but Jesus remains the same. And it shows us that even 2,000 years ago, you know, human nature had the same sense of anxiety about the future. I want to read it again to you. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat and what you'll drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not <laughs> of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? The first big point I just want to communicate is that God sees you. He gets what you're going through. He, he sees you. And Jesus is telling you not to worry about your life. Don't worry about your daily needs and your daily wants. Our wants and needs, those are different, huh? The reason he gives uh, for us to, to not worry is because our lives are made up of more than just physical desires. And God offers proof of his ability to provide for us. And he says, look at the birds, right? These tiny winged animals aren't anxious about their needs for tomorrow. God provides their needs for today. And if God takes care of the sparrows of this world, surely he can take care of you. And Jesus reminds us, reminds you that you are of incredible worth. He sees you. He sees me. I'm going through tough stuff right now, but he sees me, he understands me, he gets it, and, and worrying's not going to help. What I need to lean into is that I'm loved by God and he's going to provide for me today and our future's in good hands because our future is under God's control. He is in control. So we've got to allow ourselves to trade what we don't know about the future, just make the swap. For what we do know about the love of God for us. Okay, I don't know this about the future, but what I do know is about God's love for us. Because worry isn't worth it. It doesn't add any hours to the day. It adds no hours to your life. And if anything, it takes hours away. It reminds me of the Lord's Prayer that's prayed in churches all around the world every week. Uh, and in many homes. Uh, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. It's bread for us to share, and it's a daily sustenance. Give us what we need today, God. Not too much that we might forget about trusting you for our own future. Not too little that we're tempted to take matters into our own hands. Just enough for today. Do you know that proverb of Agur? It's in the end of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 30, and, and verses 7 through 9 is part of it, and it says, he says, two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Two things. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, ah, who's the Lord? Or I might become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. It's how we learn to trust God, even when we don't know what is around the corner. We just, we just say, God, I want you to, to show me your provision for today. Help me trust in you for today. Trusting God for the future instills deep hope that he is there before we ever get there. You know that word provision, pro, forward, sight, vision, right? Provision. He sees ahead. He, he's there before we ever get there. And there's some things that we can do to increase worry in our lives. You know, you've, you've maybe tried this with, with me. Maybe this last year was like, I'm going to tune in and get more worried than I am right now. 
I mean, years ago, um, I had a habit. I'd crank up talk radio, the talk radio cranks, and see what I was missing out on. I mean, my life had plenty of difficulties on its own, but who knew there was so much more to be outraged about, right? The radio station would talk about political divisiveness, the struggling economy, potential wars, basically saying you should be afraid. Stay tuned for how your neighbor might be stealing from you. At 11, be prepared to be outraged about what your city government is hiding from you. (laughs) That kind of talk has actually brought a nation to the edge of crisis. It's like we're on the knife's edge all the time. With a verdict, are the cities going to burn or, or what, you know, what's going to happen? We're, we're right on the edge expecting doom. Another school shooting, another postal or FedEx shooting. We're, we're, we're right there on the edge all the time in this anxious loop. And Jesus is here saying, don't fall into that. Where's the peace of God that passes all understanding? Well, it's right there when we put our cares on Jesus. We're trading our, our future concerns for the presence of God and his goodness, and we let love reign over our future. I can turn off the talk radio and the news feed and spend some time reminding myself that God sees me. He sees every single person on earth, and he has a great plan for you. He's going to take care of you. You can trust him. One of the most quoted scriptures of all time is from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It's a promise given to the Jewish people who were in exile, wondering whether they should should, uh, set up camp there, if God was going to be drawing them right back to Jerusalem or not. Um, They were really struggling with it. Uh, But I I believe it's something we can hold on to today as well. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And if he can see them then, he can see you now. And and you can trade your worries for the future for what you know about God's love here in the present because he sees you. Jesus ultimately has called us all home from exile and has purposes in mind for us right now. God has a future for you. He has a preferred future that he wants you to live into. And you get to experience that when we let go of trying to control everything. And we start to submit to him and follow his lead. Because worrying about the future doesn't have any positive effects. In fact, it only causes us to be paralyzed by fear. So the question is this, and, and uh, you can, I can help you process some of these things here. How do you know when the opportunities in the future are God's plans? Is this what God wants? Is this the preferred future for me or not? And I just want to give you three simple questions that I've been given that I want to pass on to you. Um, You can ask yourself to determine, is this God's leading in my life? The first question is just a diagnostic. If you were to do this, would you be violating some kind of direction that's already been given to us in God's word? Does God want me to do this, to explore this, to do that? Well, what has he said in his word? If you're violating something that he's already said, then there's a good chance it's not part of the plans God has for you. The second one is, if you take part in the activity or make this decision, will it make you more Christ-like? Will you see the character of Christ formed in you? 
If it'll help shape you and mold you into the person God desires for you to be, then there's a good chance this is part of God's plan for your future. There's a lot of things that, that Heather and I have embarked upon, um, especially in the, in the bringing children into our family. We've adopted six kids, and as we bring them in, um, is that going to be a challenge? Yeah. Uh, what's that going to look like? It's going to be a test. But is it going to make us more like Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. Especially if we let it. And so that's the, that's the thing we're in right now, is allowing God to, to make us more like Jesus. And then the third diagnostic would be, will this decision result in the blessing of other people around you? Because God's always looking to use willing people to help serve others in need. And this may be a good indication that that's a part of God's plan for your life. So to discover God's plan for your future is to live into the purpose for which you were born. He sees you, he knows you, he wants you in the game. He wants you, he, he created you for a purpose. Mark Twain once said, the two most important days of your life are the day when you're born and the day you find out why. Let's lean into that as individuals, but as a community, as a family as well. Because your future is tied to your purpose and God's plan. Now, the second point is this, you seek God first. Jesus gives us a way to ensure that our future falls in line with his will for our lives. And it's about priority. Some of us have our priorities focused on the wrong things because we're nervous about the future, right? I'm gathering, I'm hoarding, I'm worried. Let me continue in that passage, Matthew 6, 28 through 34. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. It's what the people who don't aren't in covenant with God, that's what they look for. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, the, the righteous behavior that we take place in. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we see that we're supposed to be living for the kingdom of God, seeking first the kingdom of God. That's our priority. Living to see the kingdom of God come to earth, as in heaven, so on earth, in my life, in our life, in my community. That's got to be the defining aspect of our lives. But a lot of us are just focused on our own status, our own name, our own brand, our own ego. Um, getting, that, getting that house on the lake, getting that social media status, um, finding true love. And those, 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 are, those are okay things, right? Those are lovely. But, but they can cause us to veer off track as our life progresses. And Jesus says, if we can seek God first and his coming kingdom, then everything else will have a way of falling in place. And you have to trust him about that. When we seek God first, when we come across a new relationship, 
they're most likely the kind of person that God would want for us in the first place, aren't they? When you're seeking God first, your, your desires begin to change. When you seek God first, you live life with humility, and that, that becomes what we're known for. When we seek God first, the wants and desires look more like things God would want for us. I want you to think of this uh, glass jar like our future. Okay, our lives are sometimes filled first with all the worldly wants and desires, all the little stuff that, that are not priorities, right? So I've got a jar like half filled with sand and pebbles, right? Uh, and, and what can happen is that our life is so cluttered that we don't have space for all the things God wants to bring into our life in the future. Because he's got plans for us, right? Plans to prosper, not to harm. He wants to bring other things into our lives. And so, you know, we'll we'll start to add those things and, and say, yeah, I want to be about the kingdom and I'm going to, I'm going to fill up my jar and then pretty soon you got no space, right? But if you start with the things that are priorities, you start by saying, okay, what I want to do is have God's kingdom and his priorities first. Somehow God makes room for all these things. So I'm going to take an empty jar and start putting these things in, putting the, the, the rocks in, the big things in life, the kingdom of God type stuff. Is that kind of noisy? Sorry about that. Let's put those things in. And then if we add the, the stuff of life, they, actually God adds to us. He's actually able to make all of this happen for us and fill our lives completely. And what we need to understand together or what are those things that God is, is meaning to pour into our lives if we would just put the big rocks in first, the kingdom priorities? Um, God has a way of fitting it all in if we can first seek the kingdom of God. Everything else will be added. So don't worry about your future. It's in God's hands. Besides, Jesus says today has enough things to be concerned about anyway without worrying about the things that don't exist yet. So most of us spend time worrying about stuff that's never going to come to pass anyway. And so much time and energy is spent on it. So take a second and have the Spirit identify the big rocks of kingdom priority that he wants you to seek first so that your life can be full. The third point is to use your time wisely. Use your time wisely. We only have so many days in our lives. And our future needs to be held in a stewardship, right? We're, we're responsible for, for the days of our lives. And so the author of Psalm 90 had this concept in mind when he wrote verse 12. He says, so teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. Number our days so that we may have a heart of wisdom. The author is writing a prayer asking for awareness and so that the, the days of the life can be used in a manner that honors God and honors people, right? Love God and love your neighbor. Uh, a survey years ago revealed some astonishing information about how people spend their lives. I'm always intrigued when these things come out. But it's been a while ago, but the lifetime average of the American, uh, in the lifetime, they'll spend six months sitting at stoplights, <laughs> eight months opening junk mail, a year looking for misplaced objects, <laughs> Two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. Four years doing housework. Five years waiting in line. Six years eating. Uh, 
And, you know, currently at 90 minutes a day, if, that, if you were just looking at your phone for 90 minutes a day, that's 23 days a year, nine years of your life spent looking at your phone. And some of you know some people and maybe you're that person who's like, well, actually, I spend my entire life on my phone. Like, yeah, OK. So how are you spending your life? As you as you live your life, it's important to ask yourself of the places that your time and energy and attention and affection are going are the most important places they could possibly go. You have one life and it's offered to Christ. You have one life to live. A hundred years from now, the only important measure of your life will be how you loved God and loved your neighbor. That's it. The kingdom commands. And we got to use our future to ensure that as many people come to experience and trust God as possible. And the psalmist said this, living wisely means realizing we only have so many days in our lives and we've got to use them wisely. Let me pray for you. So Jesus, we need you to teach us to number our days. Help us figure out the way that we can, can be the most uh, wise in the way we use our time. Help us learn how to say no to some things and say yes to some other things. Teach us what those big rocks are that need to settle into our life first so that you can fill it with all the rest that you have for us. God, we ask that you would take our worries and turn them into prayers, bringing them before the God who actually cares. Amen. Hey, take that piece of paper or that note that you wrote, and I want you to, um, to take that worry that you had and now write a prayer about it, of how, how you want to spend your time and how you want to have God turn your worry into worship. Would you do that? Just take, take that moment to write out that prayer and say, God, would you turn this worry into worship? Can I trade my concerns for tomorrow with the truth about how you love me now?